Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. This morning, uh, go ahead and get that out. And uh, very excited this morning uh, for those of you who I haven't met. Probably should have done this earlier, but my name is Brandon and I'm one of the pastors here at Impact Church and Uh, We are so glad that you are here. Turn with me uh, in your Bibles, or if you didn't bring a Bible and you have a phone or tablet, feel free to use that to follow along as well. And we are going to be in the book of Matthew this morning. Uh, Matthew is the first gospel, and uh, we'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 18. I'll tell you guys what verse here in just a second, but I just wanted to say a couple of things uh, real quick as we uh, get going this morning and kind of spend some time uh, in God's Word. A couple of things I just wanted to, to tell you and kind of make sure you knew. Uh, first of all, um, you guys should have had your response cards on your seats, right? Um, and so we want to encourage everyone that's here today, uh, especially uh, to take that blue part, that's the tear-off part, fill that out, and drop it off in the box at our giving station on your way out today. Uh, that helps us know uh, how we can pray for you, and it also is a way for you to communicate if you have any next steps you feel like God is calling you to take, all right? So, um, so that's really good. I also wanted to let you guys know, I know this isn't our announcements time, but I want to take some time and just kind of explain a couple of things uh, to you. Uh, first of all, man, I'm excited today. We're having our Mother's Day picnic today, and so we're going to have a lot of fun. So I want to encourage you guys, stay after, grab some food, uh, spend some time. We've got a special gift for all the ladies here today, uh, and so wanna, uh, hopefully uh, you will be able to grab that. If we have any extras and you haven't been by CVS to get your Mother's Day present yet, uh, feel free to grab one. It's a joke. Okay, no, everybody's like, no, I've, I had my Mother's Day present last year. It's good. Um, so I want to encourage you guys, grab that, and it'll be a lot of fun, all right? Um, and then uh, and next weekend, we're doing something kind of fun, but if it's your first time with us, it might be a little bit different. You may be like, I'm not sure what that is, or, or maybe that doesn't even apply to me. And, uh, and so next weekend, we're going to be having our second annual Impact Family Reunion, all right? Who doesn't love a good family reunion? Hey, that's a loaded question, and we don't have time to unpack that on Mother's Day, all right? Um, and so I realize that uh, it may be a little bit kind of a, a weird thing, but um, this is, so this church was started by another church. So churches start churches, okay? This wasn't just Brandon who showed up to start a church. Um, we were actually sent out by Impact Church in uh, Fairfax County. And they sent us out with resources and leaders and prayers and all sorts of, of good stuff, and um, they sent us out. And so what we like to do, and we've got this vision to continue multiplying churches that, um, you know, they're getting ready to actually start another church, which is really exciting, Impacto Iglesia. And so we're really excited. They're going to be starting a church among uh, Guatemalan people um, in Centerville, Virginia. I know it's, it's exciting, pushing all the right buttons today. Um, and so they've got that going on. And then 
Uh, God willing, we're hoping in the next couple of years as we start a residency program to start more churches and um, out of Impact Fredericksburg. And so we're hoping that in the next couple of years, this isn't just two churches coming together, but maybe even three churches, four churches, five churches, and just the next couple of years that are getting together to go, man, I don't even know you, but yet we're like on the same team making disciples and planting churches. And all of these, I want you to remember, are autonomous churches. We're not satellites. We're not you know anything like that uh, we're autonomous but we want to get together because we believe we can do more together than we can apart and so, uh, so that's what this family reunion is we're going to be at Occoquan Regional Park it's going to be a lot of fun uh, I want to encourage you guys to come and be a part of that and uh, bring some food we're going to take care of all the grilling and stuff like that but it's just a chance and I remember last year somebody was like well why, why would I go to that I'm not going to know anybody and we were like, exactly, that's the point, um, is to meet some new people, uh, hang out, and uh, really, especially for us, a chance to say thank you to them for all the sacrifices they've made to help us uh, get started on a weekly basis, all right? Um, so that is that. I also wanted to just remind you guys, please continue praying as we are searching for um, a new space uh, for us to meet in on Sunday morning. So God has been blessing uh, us and our church, and uh, we've begun to sort of outgrow this space. And um, if you've made your way down the hall to our kids' men, you know we've absolutely outgrown uh, our space down the hall. And uh, if you haven't been down there, you might hear it uh, a little bit later on in our service. Um, and so we are praying and asking God uh, for what our next step is. So please join us in prayer. We praise God. We're not a church dependent on a building. Amen. Like we are not a building. We are a church. We are the people of God. And uh, that's why we have community groups. So we're not nothing worried about it. Just if this is your first time with us, you're kind of like, oh, I didn't want you to be shocked when all of a sudden maybe we're uh, meeting somewhere else on a Sunday morning. All right. All right. Hey, if by now you're in the book of Matthew, right? You guys made it to Matthew chapter 18. All right. Hey, um, we're going to dive in in just a second. We've been doing our sermon series. Uh, this is our last week in our sermon series, Better Together. Um, as we've not been, we're not just talking about marriage or anything like that. We're talking about relationships and what a biblical view of relationships are. So just to kind of, this is your first week with us, just to kind of cue you in of where we've been. We started this whole series out talking about love and how love is the foundation of biblical relationships. Not love as the world loves, but love according to the Bible. Uh, then we talked about marriage and what the Bible says marriage is and why that's important. And uh, then we talked about the number one competitor in our relationships for our hearts. We talked about money and how money can cause all sorts of different feelings and emotions and conflict in relationships. And then last week we talked about singleness. And we talked about uh, the calling of singleness and how God uses that um, to advance his mission. And so uh, this week, we're going to be talking about um, what I think is the number, one, um, the, the number one aspect that really propels any relationship forward. The number one aspect that I think compels any relationship forward. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down. It's going to be a hard one. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I think if love is the foundation, then forgiveness is the electricity. Forgiveness is really what, what empowers relationships to act and live in a biblical way. Now, I realize when I say that word, 
<laughs> it immediately evokes all sorts of emotions, right? Because there's some of us that are like, oh man, no, forgiveness, I don't want to hear about forgiveness. Like, you know, forgiveness, I, I, I just don't want to hear about that. Maybe we've got some hard relationships in our lives or, or maybe you think forgiveness and you're real passive about it. Like, oh yeah, Brandon, no worries. I don't have anything, any problems with forgiveness and you just write that down. Um, so I just want to encourage you today, no matter where you're at, no matter what may be happening in your life, Let's take that and put it to the side for a second. We'll pick it back up later, but let's put that off to the side and let's open up God's Word and let's just hear what does God's Word teach us about forgiveness? What is God's way towards forgiveness? Okay? Um, and so I want, to, I want to say that really clear because the fact is there are a gazillion definitions of forgiveness. Okay? Trust me, I Googled them. They're like, there are a gazillion definitions. It just depends on what counseling website you click on, okay? And apart from that, um, I know that we are a church that makes no um, embarrassment or no, no bones. We, have, in fact, encourage um, uh, count professional counseling and therapy uh, within our church to go along with biblical counseling and therapy. And, and so um, I just want to encourage you, like some of us, have benefited from seeing a counselor or a therapist, and I bet um, we are all, those of us who have different counselors or therapists, would be working with different definitions of forgiveness, because no doubt that's an area that they tackle. So the fact is, we may all be bringing in like dozens of different definitions of what we think forgiveness is. And so here's what the world does. The world says, no problem, that is your truth. That's your definition. And so I'm going to reshape my life to, to work around your definition of what forgiveness is to you. Okay, but here's the number one thing we train our community group leaders on, is we never ask the question, what is this passage saying to you? Because it doesn't matter what the passage is saying to you. What matters is what does the passage say? And so today we are going to base we're going to follow, now there might be a lot of great ways to say this, but we are going to look at Jesus' definition of forgiveness, okay? And that's going to be what we build our house on uh, today. That's going to be the electricity that flows through the house, is Jesus' definition of forgiveness, all right? Um, so Matthew chapter 18, um, we're going to start in verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse, starting in verse 21. Let me catch you up to speed. Jesus spends the rest of the chapter, the first 20 verses, talking about sin. All right? So I'm not one. I don't like to cherry pick verses and, and just pay, take a verse out of here and a verse out of there. So go home, read this passage for sake of time. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you today, but I encourage you, if you're like, I don't know, I don't read my Bible because I don't know what to read. Well, now you do. Read the whole uh, chapter of Matthew chapter 18 this week. Uh, it'd be really great. Um, but just in synopsis, Jesus is talking about the seriousness of sin. He's dealing with the fact that sin Sin is just disobedience to God. It's any way that we don't measure up to what God's standard is for us. Okay? And, and so Jesus is dealing with the fact that sin is serious and the consequences of sin are serious. Okay? That's what Jesus is talking about. So he goes directly into talk, from talking about sin and the consequences of sin to verse 21. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Matthew 18, 21, it says this. Then Peter... All right. If you know Peter and you, you know the story in the Bible, you know this is about to get good. All right. So Jesus has been talking about the seriousness of sin and then Peter. All right. Peter came up. Notice that means Peter went out of his way. Came up and said to him, Lord, 
How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as like seven times? And Jesus said to him, No, I don't say seven times. Seventy-seven times. All right, let's stop right there. It's amazing because uh, back then it was really common in this day for religious leaders, we'd call them like the Pharisees and other rabbi and teachers who were teaching the Old Testament, is really common, this was a very common teaching, is um, you really want to forgive someone two to three times, okay? Like you forgive someone two to three times, that would be above and beyond what you should do. Because the fact is, they're the ones who wronged you and they need to get their act together. And so, man, if you've forgiven them two or three times, like, man, you went above and beyond. And uh, that's what the religious leaders were teaching. So Peter <clears throat> buttons up his uh, shirt, comes to Jesus and says, uh, Jesus, I've been listening to your teachings about sin. And um, I was thinking a good conclusion to this message would be forgiveness. And so, um, based upon what you're saying, the rabbis say we should forgive two to three times, but uh, I was thinking more like <clears throat> seven. And Jesus, oh, sorry, let me unbutton that. Jesus says, uh, no, not seven. And you can almost see Peter, like, sigh of relief, right? Like, Jesus is like, no, you're not going to forgive somebody seven times. Whew, praise the Lord, 77 times. And you can almost see like Peter, like what in the world? Here's what Jesus is, because see, immediately the Pharisee in us is like, yeah, but Brandon, I do have people I've forgiven like 79 times. So like I am pretty good at this forgiveness game, right? But the point Jesus is making, he's being a little sarcastic with Peter. How many of you knew Jesus had a little sarcasm bone in his body, all right? That's how I excuse the sin in my life, all right? So, so... <laughs> Sorry, that's, not, that's for me and my therapist, okay? That's not for you. It's not for you today. All right, so Jesus, the point that Jesus is making is you never stop forgiving, okay? You never stop forgiving. It's not a numbers game. Oh, listen to me. Forgiveness is not a numbers game. Because isn't that immediately where our mindset goes? I have forgiven them Time and time again, we're playing a numbers game. I have already given them their chances. And then we, at some point, we start to use words like walls, boundaries, things like that. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, Peter, I appreciate your heart, but the answer is we never stop forgiving when we follow Jesus. So if numbers are your thing, then you might need a, to do a mindset shift like Peter had to and go, the, the answer is like infinity. Okay. All right, let's keep reading, verse 23. Jesus sees that maybe they are, um, I don't know, confused, upset, <laughs> not sure what to do, so he tells them a story in verse 23. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared, now let's stop right there. I want you to, if you're taking notes in your Bible, underline that word, the kingdom of heaven. Because listen, Jesus is not about to give a bunch of rules to Christians. 
He is describing what the kingdom of God is like. Forgiveness is not a yoke of slavery placed on your neck to make you miserable. Forgiveness is an aspect of being a citizen in the kingdom that belongs to God. Okay? So if you don't get this right, Jesus ain't talking about you. He's talking about his kingdom, of which if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen of. All right, let's keep going. Kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king, makes sense, who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now imagine you're sitting with Jesus. And, you know, there's always those icebreaker questions. If you could ask Jesus one question, what would you ask him, right? Well, I got news for you, brother, sister. If you're going to heaven, you got 14 trillion, quadrillion years to ask Jesus questions. And for some of you, that's really good news, all right? Because that's how long it's going to take my sweet Evie bug to ask, get all of her questions out, all right? And so I realized, like, just imagine Jesus is here and you've gotten a chance to ask him all your questions, right? Uh, why is the grass green? Why is the sky blue? All the questions that you've always pondered and wondered. And then all of a sudden, maybe you would ask him, hey, Jesus, what is the kingdom of God like? What is it like in heaven? What is it like being in the presence of God? And he looks at you and says, well, let me tell you a story to illustrate about heaven. And he starts sharing this story with you. And he ends and says, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, I want you to, to look back up with me at uh, verse 24. It says, um, you know, they began to settle, and uh, one was, a servant was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. Now, you've got to understand, we don't understand this a lot in our economy, okay? Um, talent, we're not talking about, like, you can play the banjo or the harmonica, okay? Talent was a, a money system, all right? It was a, a form of currency. And the equivalent of about uh, 10,000 talents was our equivalent of over a billion dollars. That's billion with a B, okay? Now, I don't know, I can't imagine what this servant did to muster up a billion dollars in debt, all right? But that's, that's the way. So the fact is, the point Jesus is making is there is no way this servant could ever pay back that debt. It is impossible. Like student loans. It is impossible. Cannot pay back this debt. Okay? 10,000 talents. And now you may be sitting there and going, wow, that's a lot of money. And you're thinking, literally, Jesus, imagine like I'm just talking to you and I'm trying to think of a number that like in your head goes, okay, I can't, I can't figure out what a billion dollars is like. If you can, praise God for you. The giving station is in the back. We're so glad that you're here with us today. But you may not have a frame of reference for what a billion dollars is like. And that's the point. Jesus chose a number that your brain immediately stops counting zeros and goes, a lot, got it. Insurmountable. Can't, isn't going to happen. 
So here's what happens. There's no way the servant could ever repay the master for this. So what does the master do? I mean, the, the master, you know, orders and says, well, here's what the law says. I'm selling you, I'm taking your family, your kids, your cattle, everything you own. Like it's still, maybe we've gotten up to about $10,000 at this point. That's still not enough, but you're done. Okay, that's the order. But what happens is the servant falls on his knees. Now that's really important. I want you to underline that. The servant falls on his knees, imploring, begging, appealing, He says, man, please have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. And the master had so much pity on him. That word pity means compassion. The word pity means compassion. Now I want you to look. The master forgives him out of compassion. But notice it says this is out of compassion for him. But guys, it was only out of compassion. It doesn't say the master forgave him out of compassion and he moved some numbers around and made the math work. It says it was only out of compassion that this servant was forgiven. And guys, what a beautiful picture of how you and I became followers of Jesus. This is a picture of how we became citizens of this kingdom that Jesus is talking about. And notice a few things. First of all, the servant humbled himself and got on his knees. That it wasn't this whole like, well, actually, I went back and did the math and I don't owe a billion dollars because you guys in your late fees and it doesn't matter and you can't charge me this and I hired an attorney and let's settle it $500,000 and let's do... Like he didn't immediately go in and start like doing the math and arguing and fighting. He said, you know what? You're right. That's what I deserve. And he gets down on his knees humiliates himself and implores, begs, and says, please, please have mercy on me. I, I know I owe this debt, but, unless, but I also know you can do something about it. And so there was compassion, and his compassion totally wiped out the debt. Notice his compassion didn't wipe out the debt and then set a boundary in place. Notice the master's compassion didn't say, okay, but you're going to have to earn this. So, you're gonna, so I'm not going to take you and your family, but you are going to have to work off a billion dollars of debt because I don't want to enable you. Notice that is not how the master deals with the servant. Well, for those of you like me who sometimes need, you, need someone to explain the movie to you and what's happening, This is actually not a story about a master and a servant. This is a story about God in heaven and you. See, this is your story. And you may say, well, Brandon, I've I've never stooped down and asked for forgiveness of my sins. I've never had been in a place where I've just said, God, please have pity on me. Show me compassion. Forgive me of my sins. And I would say, you're not a follower of Jesus. Because you don't become a follower without the forgiveness of your sins. And guys, your sins are like, a, are like owing a billion dollars. You cannot make it up to God. It is insurmountable debt. There is no way you're going to be a moral enough person to make it into heaven. Okay, Even with the advancements in modern technology, thinking you're going to live another decade or so, that's still not enough time 
for you to make it moral enough to go to heaven. We need the master's forgiveness. But often we don't view it as that, right? We start to put price tags on sin. Well, this sin only needed a little bit of Jesus' blood. This sin over here, I was in a bad place, and it needed like a dash of Jesus' blood. But nothing like my neighbor, man. They needed a whole gallon of Jesus' blood. They're bad people, man. And all of a sudden, we start to put price tags on our sin. And the fact is, we start comparing, and we say, man, I'm not as sinful as that guy. I'm not as sinful as that one. Brother, sister, listen to me. With all the love I have for you and myself, the truth is, you and I, we don't know half of the depth of our sin against God. We don't even know. We've already been forgiven of things we didn't even think to ask for because of the blood of Jesus. And yet God in His extreme love and compassion towards you sent Jesus to pay your debt. Like God didn't sit back and say, Brandon, you got yourself in a pickle. You did this, now get out of it. God didn't look at me. He knew. He was like, man, Brandon is helpless. There is no way he's going to climb himself out of this hole. I mean, the dude, every time he tries to do good, he just sins more, right? It's like, it's like when your toddler comes to you and says, can I help? And you say, I think we got different definitions of what help is. And we look at that and we go, man, that's how God looks at our, our good works. We go, look, God, look what I did for you. I planted a church. And he goes, thank you very much. Got a lot of work to do here. <laughs> yeah, I love you. <laughs> Guys, that's the way it is with our good works. Man, we don't understand, but God loves us so much. Man, don't miss this. God has such compassion on you. He does not look at you and see a really messed up person. He looks at you and sees a person in, in a mess and says, I love them. That is my daughter. That is my son. And I love them. And out of his compassion, he didn't just wipe your debt free. Church, listen to me. He paid it in full. Like there's a big difference. And some of us, like we live, especially in our country right now, there's a lot of talk about debt ceilings and things like that. And some of you might be working on that, and I'm going to pray for you. And it's just, I know it's a crazy time, but listen to me. Like this is not a situation where we are so far removed that God just pushes a button and it all goes away. This debt was not removed. This debt was paid. And it was paid by the blood of Jesus instead of the blood of Brandon. He punished His Son, the spotless, perfect Jesus, so that I, the broken, messed up Brandon, would not have to know what punishment is. Guys, the punishment for your debt was carried out on Jesus instead of you. Jesus punished. You, forgiven. In fact, it doesn't just stop there. Because how cool is it that now that you're forgiven, you're not just forgiven and told, okay, get about your life. You're forgiven and you got some benefits. Like you are now forgiven and now you're an heir to the kingdom of God. 
Like it wasn't just you're forgiven and so you'll get in by the skin of your teeth. Listen, brother, sister, listen to me. Ain't nobody getting into heaven by the skin of their teeth. You either getting in with a welcome committee or you ain't getting in. You get in by the blood of Jesus, not the skin of your teeth. And the blood of Jesus, man, it fully welcomes you. Fully. Like this is who you are. This is your identity. You are way worse than you think you are, and you are way more forgiven than you could ever imagine. That's, that's the world we live in. That's the kingdom of God. That's how it works. Somebody say amen. All I know is that my balance wasn't just wiped out and at zero. God started making some deposits in the balance too. Man, that's what it's like to go from a servant to a son. Let's keep reading verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him and said, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the master what took place. And then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So, also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus starts with a story. The kingdom of God is like someone who's been radically forgiven. And says, but the kingdom of God doesn't start there. It also continues as someone who's been radically forgiven who also then knows how to radically forgive. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. You know, what's interesting is the servant, immediately after he gets his debt paid, he goes and finds another servant and says, all this debt talk makes me uh, realize that this so-and-so took some money from me. What's it say here? A hundred denarii? That is a, uh, an equivalent of American dollars to about $10. All right? Now, again, Jesus is, is playing a game, right? He's showing you a number that is so astronomical you can't imagine to compare to a number that is so small, you wipe it off like it's no big deal. Jesus says, here's somebody who was forgiven a billion dollars and then went and choked somebody over ten. And Jesus is, is looking and saying, man, we have received such rich, extravagant grace from God. And because of that, it would be insane not to give the same radical grace and forgiveness to others. Do you not feel that in the story? This dude is insane. You were just set free. Your debt was just wiped clean. You owed a billion dollars, and then you got set free by the master, and then you went and got yourself in trouble over $10. That is insane. And the guy goes from being a radical of forgiveness to being ridiculous. I mean, this is insane. God's pretty, pretty clear for us though, right? 
I mean, do you, you don't need me to play connect the dots, right? You got it. We as Christians have been given so much grace and forgiveness, it would be insane for us not to offer it to others. It is crazy for me to have been given so much and then act the total opposite towards someone else over something less. Jesus reminds us, he says, forgive from your heart. Okay? Jesus reminds us that forgiveness is a heart issue, not a checklist. It is a heart issue, not a checklist. And you go, well, I told them that I forgive them. Okay, great. The question is, have you? And really, sometimes we're not good characters of that because we're going, oh, I don't know, I think I have one day and then one day I'm not sure and then this or that. So quit asking yourself, okay? Really, honestly, I should, we should never even ask you. Ask God because he knows your heart better than you do. And the question is, God, have I forgiven him? God, have I forgiven her? God, have I forgiven myself? We don't just ask for forgiveness to check a box. It takes massive heart work. And that means that only God can be involved in that. Because I can't change your heart. Your counselor can't change your heart. The person, the family member, the friend who hurts you cannot change your heart. Only God can change your heart. So Jesus makes this heart work so that he has to get involved. So I want to share with you just three, th three observations today, kind of some practical things. If you're dealing with this today, um, I just want to share a few things um, with you from this passage that um, I, I think may help us. So if you're taking notes, write these three things down. Number one, I want to encourage you here today, praise God for his forgiveness. Praise God for his forgiveness. I mean, you are a forgiven child of God. Think about what God had to do to forgive our sins. He had to give his perfect son, Jesus, to leave heaven and come to this earth, which is an offense of itself. And then Jesus lived perfectly, dealt with all of our temptations, and then we killed him for it. And we hung him on the cross, and we drove nails into his hands, and our sin required a really high price. And God punished Jesus, and forgave you. Our sins, man, they hurt God. They are an offense to His holiness. But God, in His rich mercy, has forgiven you of your sins. You are forgiven. If you trust in Jesus, and you believe Jesus is enough, and you believe He raised from the dead, brother, sister, you have been forgiven. We fall to our knees and we implore God, forgive me of my sin. And He does it. He doesn't have to have a committee. There's no paperwork. It was already paid on the cross. He applies it to your account. You are forgiven. So praise Him. Man, we as Christians, we got a reason to sing. People are like, I don't, I don't like to sing. It don't It don't matter. Man, come on, somebody gives you a billion dollars, I'll sing, I'll dance, I'll wear makeup, I'll do whatever you want me to. Come on, man, I'm putting a Broadway show on. Let's go. Like, like this is the thing, man, we praise and worship Him because we have a reason to. Okay? Here's number two, write this down. We need to admit that forgiveness is hard. 
we need to admit that forgiveness is hard. It just is. I wish, I mean, I could have read you a book. I could have done some illustrations and told you some jokes. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff when it comes to forgiveness. It's not going to be the most um, <laughs> thorough sermon you've ever heard on forgiveness. Listen to me. I just want you to know that forgiveness is hard. And if you look and go, I don't want to forgive because I'm just not, I'm not ready or I don't think I can, or I, then I want you to know that's normal. You're not the only one. You are like, I know it feels that way. And I say that with grace and compassion. But you need to understand, forgiveness is hard for everybody. Even followers of Jesus. It's just hard. The hurt and the pain are real. And so I'm not up here telling you, just forgive. If you don't forgive, then Jesus ain't going to forgive you. So you people better go out there and send your text messages today and call your mama and, and have a good day. All right? That ain't what this is. I'm telling you, it's hard. You don't think it's hard? Why was Jesus sweating blood in the garden? Because forgiveness is hard. It is hard work. Because the pain that you've experienced that has been caused to you is real. And listen to me, so are the consequences. Someone else who sins against you the pain is real, but the consequences of their sin are real. Because that's when we go, Brandon, you don't understand. Listen to me. You're right. I don't understand. I understand my pain, and I understand my hurt, but I can't imagine, begin to imagine the hurt and the pain and the consequences that have been wreaked upon your lives too. Okay? I, I, I get that. And I'm not trying to put it all into one box. But what I'm telling you is, is that yes, it is hard. And it does hurt. And one reason that it's so hard is because forgiveness makes things unfair. It leaves us feeling vulnerable that it might hurt us again. And so everything within us starts putting up walls like a fortress. But you know, the Old Testament described God as forgiving. It said He is always forgiving. That's what the word is. It says He is always forgiving, like a steady stream that's always going. And it says God is just always forgiving. He never says, whew, I'm going to need a minute to think about what Brandon just did. No, it says the stream is going. He's just always forgiving. But the word in the Old Testament for forgiveness that God shows literally means to lift and carry someone else's burden. That's why it's hard. It's hard because it is. Because you are taking the burden someone else created, lifting it off of them, maybe while they're still spitting at you, putting it on your shoulders, and choosing to carry it for them while they don't care. And that is exactly what God does for us on the daily. Guys, but that is what forgiveness is, and that's why it's hard. Listen, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness is intentional. 
It is to literally go find someone else who has made a mess and to clean their burden up and carry it for them. Some of us have a hard time even just assuming more work than we should on group projects. Right? And this is why we struggle so much, because we don't understand how much we've been forgiven. We don't understand what God is doing on the daily for us. And so the the goal of forgiveness is always reconciliation. Always. Now this doesn't mean the relationship goes back to the way it was. Sometimes it can't. But you know what it can be? It can be restored to what God wants it to be. And that is our goal. No more and no less. What is God's will for that relationship? So listen, sometimes there's abuse, right? Physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse. And listen, I get it. It is not safe to go back. I'm not saying the consequences are different. What I'm telling you is forgiveness is still possible and yet necessary as a follower of Jesus. I, I know, man, listen, your, your marriage, it can be reconciled and restored. It can be. Now, I don't know what that will look like and what the logistics will look like, but I'm telling you, that is your goal. Your goal is reconciliation. That is your goal. I I don't know about your friendships. You go, Brandon, I thought we were friends, and they stabbed me in the back. Listen to me. Your goal in that friendship is reconciliation. I'm not telling you that you have to go back to being best friends and doing all this stuff. What I'm telling you is, is that you know whether or not this relationship has been reconciled or you have just tried to forget about it. You know. We know. God can heal these things. There are exes, ex-wives and ex-husbands and ex-girlfriends and boyfriends that that have hurt us and caused pain, but they are living rent-free in our minds. And guys, they, they need to be forgiven. God can release you from that. And most of all, the hardest person to forgive is often ourselves. Listen, God not only can wipe away your sin, but he can erase the remembrance of it. There are parents who need your forgiveness. Right now, I am just stockpiling the reasons for forgiveness up for my kids. And they'll unpack it when they're 18 with a therapist later. But what I hope happens is forgiveness. That they come to me and say, Dad, yeah. And I go, I know. I was making it all up. I have no idea. I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah, I forgave you. Like, guys, the, the issue is we have some parents that need our forgiveness, man. They did the best they could, and they're people. Man, we, we have siblings, brothers and sisters. We have children who we need to forgive. We have coworkers. We just need to forgive them. There are abusers who need, again, the restoration, the reconciliation looks very different in those cases. Because you need to be away from the abusive behavior, okay? But even in those instances, they can still be forgiven. Church members, pastors, what is the relationship in your life that needs to be forgiven? Here's the third one. You can write this down. It's the last one. Is we forgive others out of compulsion, not requirement. 
We forgive others out of compulsion, not requirement. And uh, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but let me explain this. Don't put your notes away yet. We don't have to forgive as a punishment from God. Oh, what did I get myself into? I want to be a Christian. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to forgive. Nah, brother, sister, listen to me. When you follow Jesus, the forgiveness starts to happen out of a compulsion. Man, I have been forgiven, and so I forgive. And so maybe the answer isn't so much to try to muster up your own forgiveness, but to lean on the forgiveness Jesus has already given to you. And listen, some of the grudges that we hold are serious, and some of them are silly. And they'll all take different amounts of time. But listen, when we harbor bitterness and resentment in our relationships, it tears apart our own souls. And you don't realize it at the time. But when Peter asks Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive? He's playing the numbers game. Jesus chooses to play the heart game. Listen, it is in God's heart to forgive. Therefore, it is in every follower of God's heart to also forgive. So I want to encourage us here today to ask the question, is there any unforgiveness in our hearts? The good thing about this is, even if they've passed away, even if you're like, oh, I'm not sure what to do, I don't know if I could call them, there's restraining orders, there's this or that, like, I don't know what it may be, but I want you to know right now, in your heart, okay, that was the command from Jesus, right? In your heart to forgive. And I know that can happen today. And so I want to ask you, can you allow God and His Holy Spirit to change your heart, to give you a heart of forgiveness? Well, it starts with realizing you've been forgiven. And so I'm going to ask today, we haven't done this before as a church. So I don't know, when you're 18 months old, there's a lot of things you've never done before as a church. So you just kind of do them and see what God would do. But today, God put on my heart that the relationships in our lives carry too much weight and are too important. And the love of God in our lives is too important to not do something about it. And so today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up this front area as what we would call in the church world an altar. Altar just means a place of prayer. And listen, I'm going to do it publicly. And I know that freaks people out. It's like, oh, this is between me and God. Uh, mm, kind of. But it's also between you and others. And man, we as the church, listen, I don't want to get 10 years down the road and forgiving people and reconciling relationships and being quick to forgive is like abnormal. That it's the exception. Man, I'd rather be a part of a church and be like, man, those people are messed up. All they ever do is confess their sin. Every time I turn around, somebody else is repenting. Man, I want to go to that church where we normalize forgiveness, repentance, confession. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to read some scriptures over us. And I'm going to ask us, like the servant in the story, to come on bended knee. And I'm going to bend my knee 
And if you have someone you need to forgive or you need forgiveness yourself, I'm going to ask you to come. And if you can't get on your knees, that's okay. Maybe you could come sit on the front row. I noticed you guys left all of those seats empty this morning. And maybe you just come sit on the front row as a way to say, man, I need to forgive. I need forgiveness. And we're just going to seek the face of God together during our response time. Everything else is normal. You can still take communion unless you're not willing to forgive. In that case, sit that one out because you're not ready for that yet. But if you are, take communion. Give your tithes and offerings and response cards. And we're going to sing a song about how Jesus has forgiven our debt and, and paid for our sin. Okay? So would you guys bow and pray with me? As we pray, I'm just going to read these scriptures over you. I'm just going to read these scriptures over you, and then I'll call for anyone who wants to come forward to pray with me. Isaiah 43, 24 through 25 says, You have not bought me, you have not bought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins, God says. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. That's what God says to you today. Listen to what God says in Micah chapter 7, verse 18. He says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us He will tread our iniquities underfoot. God, you will cast our sin to the depths of the sea. Psalm 103, 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.